Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. It is Wednesday, June 10th, 2020, and uh, there's a lot going on around uh, uh, to uh, for us. I've got in the studio with me Thaddeus Romanski and Robin Waters. And I welcome all of our listeners, not only on KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, but also KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas and KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. Uh, you may want to call us a little bit later today uh, during the, the interview with my guest. It's going to be Kathy, Katie Smith, pardon me. She is a youth ministry at minister at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Richardson. She is a graduate of Texas A&M and a member of St. Uh, has been a member of St. Thomas Aquinas Parish here in College Station. And so uh, that number, if you want to talk to us later on to talk to Katie. Uh, ask her a question or whatever. Uh, that number is 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. Good morning, folks. I uh, wasn't just trying to be giving you a psychedelic effect. It was uh, because I'm rusty on the board, and I forgot that I needed to turn down the return of the radio, and that's why we were getting that feedback. I, well, I just thought I needed very, to very hear— very, very sorry about that. I just thought I needed to hear what I had said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good morning, Gene. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Robin. How are you? We've got a couple of things I'd like to talk about. And, and, and pardon me, folks that aren't in the Bryan College Station area, when I talk about one of these, uh, there was an interesting article in Sunday's Brian Eagle on Dr. Seth Sullivan and his family. Uh, Seth is, the, is a, an, an immunologist, I guess I'm going to get it right, immunologist or epidemiologist, uh, at Baylor Scott and White here, but he is also the acting director of uh, Brazos County Health's uh, response to the COVID-19 virus. Uh, he has been on the air uh, with press conferences at least once a week for, I don't know, however long this has been going on. Uh, Seth is a very faithful Catholic, and it, it's a very favorable article to him. I don't know that it mentions that he's a Catholic there. Uh, has pictures of him and his children. I uh, Thaddeus probably knows better than I. I don't remember. Is it seven children? That sounds about right. I think that's about right. And his wife, uh, Allison, is uh, very active in the community here, has a blog, uh, does a lot of other things, uh, very active uh, Catholic Christian-wise. And uh, one un- thing I didn't realize about them is that Seth and Allison met while he was on duty for the Navy in Japan. So uh, it's a very good article. It's it, whether you from Bryan College Station or not. It's a very good article to read to find out uh, something about how somebody can have a ministry that isn't actively working in the church. Yeah, and you you also said it talked a lot about um, his efforts to find a uh, 
proper ordering of his work commitments and his yes. duties as a father. One of the things that the article talked about is they asked him what hobbies he has, and he said, basically, I don't have time for hobbies because I'm doing things with my family. And uh, so uh, when he's not working, he's working with his family. So uh, he's an amazing man. Uh, those of you that don't know him really ought to try to get an opportunity to meet him and find out who he is. Yeah, I can confirm that he uh, was doing things with his family last night. I saw him at the, the Harvey baseball field. Oh, you're out at the Harvey baseball field? Yeah, baseball season, Little uh, League baseball season yes. has started up again, and we're, we're happy, happy M- about it. Mary and I spent quite a few years out there with our grandsons. I think it could stand to be a little tad bit hotter, though. Well, you know, but you can always wear a jacket. Oh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? That's a good idea, Gene. Thanks. That's why I come to you. That's why I get to like doing the, these shows with you because you always give me these these witty ideas. Uh, somebody else I'd like to talk about, uh, and uh, that is uh, Father Dennis Farkas Falvey. That's a mouthful. He was a, he's a Hungarian or was a Hungarian. He he died recently. Uh, he I think he was like eighty three. Uh, and what he had some health issues, but what eventually co- killed him was COVID. Uh, he was a st- the abbot at one point in time of the Cistercian Abbey in Irving, Texas. Uh, uh, he, he's a really interesting life in that he uh, was part of the group of Cistercians that escaped across the Austrian border during the revolution of uh, 1956. Uh, he got a gazillion degrees. Uh, he taught uh, at the University of Dallas, which is across the street from Cistercian. Uh, he was assigned to the Pontifical Biblical Commission, uh, very likable individual, and he was a form master at Cistercian Prep for I don't know how many years. And in addition to that, he taught mathematics to high schoolers. So uh, I would really invite you, if you want to see how somebody could live their life for God again, in a different way, to go to uh, just do a search on Cistercian Abbey in Irving. and uh, How would somebody spell Cistercian? C-I-S-T-E-R-C-I-A-N. Yes, thank Good you. Good job. Thank you. And the Cistercians are a reform of the Benedictines. Okay, okay. And uh, know about these folks because we had two sons that went to Cistercian. Okay. Yeah, and I would also say that, um, interestingly, about uh, that group of Cistercians, the same a situation with the group of Norbertines that founded St. Michael's Abbey in Orange, California, that I have a personal connection to through my good high school friend, but they also came from Hungary. Um, United States, long tradition of as a place of asylum for persecuted religious minorities. What's really interesting about the Abbey in, uh, in Irving is that after the fall of uh, communism in Hungary, uh, the Cistercians in Irving are going back to help establish the Cistercian order in Hungary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this, that this particular Cistercian abbey has untold numbers of vac- vocations, so they're mostly Native American. And I, and I think it deserves repeating that, uh, reminding people that uh, the revolution in Hungary that we're talking about in 1956 was when the Hungarian people wanted to leave the Soviet bloc. Yes. And the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics sent their army into Hungary, oh, yes. along with all the other Eastern Bloc nations, to put down that revolution Yes, and I read reestablish a, a totalitarian I, I, government. I recently re- read a novel that was written by the man that wrote Hawaii, whose, whose name I cannot remember, but it, it was talking about the revolution, it, and it was, it was very brutal. Bloody, bloody revolution. Okay. 
on that happy note. <laughs> yes. Now that has, has, just bring the fire. And God, and God rest the soul of Father yes. Dennis. Yes. Let's, let's remember him in okay. our prayers today. Robin's got some things he needs to tell us about what's going on in Waco. Yeah, just wanted to take a minute to uh, to uh, speak to everybody, say hello, especially those up in uh, Central Texas, especially in the Waco and my home in West. Um, most of you probably know that are listening that we had to put off our uh, benefit dinner from May 7th to October the 8th. And I just wanted to take a second to uh, to really give a thank you to all of you who have already purchased your tickets, your tables, and your individual tickets, because uh, that's very important for the uh, solvency of, uh, of Red Sea. And so, and also to encourage you that if you're thinking about going in October, no, you're not thinking about October yet, but uh, go ahead and uh, go to our website, redsearadio.org, and you can scroll down and purchase a table or tickets if you're involved in any organizations in your parish. Uh, they may want to... Uh, you may want to get a table for them. Uh, also, one of the, a really good thing I, I heard from a pro-life Waco yesterday was that we're coming upon 13 weeks of no abortions at Planned Parenthood in Waco. Thanks be to God. And so let's keep praying that that's going to continue uh, from this time out. And talk about the, the two organizations that are sort of on the front lines uh, fighting that good fight up there in Waco, just briefly. Well, of course, pro-life Waco right. is is really on the front lines. And uh, uh, Anya Fitzgerald and uh, uh, John Pichotta, you know, leading that effort along with other, some other great people up there. And uh, I know also that they're, they're really, uh, uh, with the uh, co- coronavirus issue, uh, donations to Pro-Life Waco have been a, an issue. And uh, uh, if you would like to help them out, I know they're trying to uh, make sure they've got enough money to keep all the billboards around Central Texas up that are letting people know about the evils of, uh, of uh, abortion. So they haven't been able to have any of their normal um, presence outside of the clinic or public presences in this last two months. Is that right? I think here recently, just in the last week or so, that they can be outside of Planned Parenthood, but they haven't been able to have any of their events, yeah. uh, their monthly uh, meal, which raises funds for them and, right. and promotes uh, pro-life. So, yeah, we need to keep them in our prayers and, and help them in any way we is can. Is that ProLifeWaco.org? Is that where people can go to donate? That's correct. Okay. ProLifeWaco.org. Okay. And then one more time, just the, all the details on our event for Red Sea Radio up in Waco. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. We have Father Albert Haas coming in to, to speak. He's a Franciscan, and he's the uh, chaplain down at Cedar Break. If you've never heard him, uh, this guy's on fire for the Lord and a wonder to listen to. Uh, we're going to have great food. Uh, some of my uh, uh, friends up in up in West, uh, our KCs and our Catholic daughters are going to be helping us out. And if you've ever been to a to a meal up in our area, uh, it's always good. Uh, great food, great fellowship. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, October the eighth at uh, Sacred Heart at their Parish Activity Center. Thank you so much, Sacred Heart, for helping us out and letting us use their facility. Yeah, it's such a blessing and it's perfect for us. All right, Gene. Well. Uh... You know that I can't have a period of time when I'm on the radio where I can't talk about either a saint of the day or an upcoming feast. And I didn't find a saint. Let us have it. The saint of the day, I didn't find one. But we have a feast coming up on Sunday. It's actually the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ. Those of us that were born before Vatican II will remember it as the Feast of Corpus Christi. And so you folks that are from Corpus Christi or are, might be listing in Corpus Christi, a very 
a blessed day I hope you have for your patronal feast. And so Corpus Christi, or the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ, is very interesting. The readings are outstanding. Uh, it's uh, Jesus is doing his Eucharistic discourse, and it's just a few verses out of there. But when you, if you look at some of the words that are in there, the Greek words that are translated, when he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, uh, the, w- the words actually mean the flesh on the bone. And the, and the word for eating in one of the cases where he talks about it is actually to gnaw, like you're gnawing the, the flesh off of a bone. And it's quite obvious uh, after the reading that we'll have on Sunday that uh, the Jews understood what he was talking about because the Jews were not, you know, there were prohibitions in their religion against cannibalism, and there were prohibitions against doing anything with blood because the life that God gave an animal was in the blood. And so they understood what he was talking about and were very upset because how can I be a cannibal? I mean, I can't be a Jew and be a cannibal. Mm-hmm. So they understood. And if you remember correctly, after the whole thing was over with, Jesus turned to his disciples when a majority of the people that were following him turned away because they said it was a hard saying. He turned to the apostles and he said, are you going to leave me too? Will you go also? And Peter, bless God bless Peter. I mean, <laughs> uh, Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Yes. And it's the same type of a response that Peter had there in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? This one or that one of the other ones, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, yeah. the son of the living God. Yeah. And that's when Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So, and the first reading deals with the coming down of the manna from heaven, and so we'll do that. And we've got, what, just a little, about a minute left before the break. And so, again, my guest after the break will be Katie Smith. She, again, she's youth minister at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Richardson, uh, an Aggie, member, had been a member of St. Mary's, and a member of the NET. National Evangelization Team, and I think you're really going to enjoy that. So I'm going to cue you up again. Uh, if you want to talk to Katie, dial us at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332, and we will see you back in just a few minutes. Hello, and welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. Uh, And again, it's uh, Wednesday, the 10th of June, and I have my guest with me now, Katie Smith, who is not just youth minister, but minister to everybody that's basically single at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Gene. It's good to be here. 
I am so glad that we can finally have this conversation. Now, I'm going to tell my I want to welcome all of my guests, my listeners, rather, on KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, and KINF FM in Palestine. Uh, you may have a question or a comment to, for Katie while we're having our conversation, and the number for that is 85 Love Red Sea. That's 855 683 7332. Katie, uh, how in the world did an Aggie girl from College Station end up in Richardson, Texas? <laughs> Great question. Um, yeah, I think God had a lot to do with that. But um, basically, um, yeah, I so I work as the director of youth and young adults at St. Joseph's um, Catholic Church in Richardson, and it was really through my own experience of youth ministry at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station, where the Lord really planted seeds of just the power of youth ministry in my own life and, and the influence that it can have in the faith lives of teens. So, um, yeah, through a series of discernment, I um, was moving back to Texas from Minnesota, where I was working, and um, applied for a youth ministry job in Richardson, and um, it's been a really great fit. Now, that's an interesting place for you to be, because isn't Richardson where your parents met and married? Yes, that's correct. So, my parents, they, um, they actually met at this parish, in Sunday school, in high school, and me and my two older siblings, we were all baptized here at St. Joseph, but um, probably once I was seven years old, my grandparents had moved away. We had never really gone to the parish again since then, Um, although my grandfather is buried in the columbarium that we have here at the parish, so sometimes we would visit on special occasions. But yeah, so that's why I really think... um, the Lord kind of directed me here when I was applying for jobs. I saw I saw it listed on the diocesan website, and it definitely struck a chord since my family has a history here at St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's is, a, is an interesting parish in that, uh, like you say, it does have a columbarium there. For the folks that don't know what that is, that is a place where folks who are cremated can have their cremains inside a courtyard at St. Joseph's. Uh, and you've had, yes. and I, your parish, your pastor there now is Father Jason Cargo, and I'm not, I, I know I know who he is, but he's a very wonderful man from what I understand, and he's been through some health issues recently, hasn't he? He has, yes. Um, so yeah, Father Jason, he's definitely a blessing to have here as a pastor. Um, he's actually an Aggie Catholic himself, and yes, he, over Christmas break, discovered... Um, a heart issue that he had. So he had open heart surgery basically when this whole pandemic broke out. So he's been in recovery for the past couple months. And actually just this week, we'll be transitioning back to the rectory and back to being here full time. So yeah, he's definitely had a, thankfully the surgery went well, but he's, he's had a long road of recovery as well. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how this all began. Now, you you were born and raised here in in uh, College Station, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Born in Houston, and oh, then okay. yeah, moved to College Station when I was like one. So. And, and you were telling yes. 
You were telling me when we had a conversation a week or so ago that you and your sister and your brother were all baptized at St. Joseph's in Richardson. Yes, that's correct. That's Yes, because mm-hmm, that was the parish that, um, that my grandparents were still attending at that time, so it was kind of like our extended family parish. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a brother, too, that has a big event coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, and would you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, so my older brother, Chris, um, he will be, God willing, ordained a priest um, for the Diocese of Austin um, coming up Saturday, June 27th. So we're very excited. Um, I know it's been a long a long journey for him, but definitely full of a lot of blessings. So seven years, it's been seven years since he entered seminary. Um, so we're very excited. And he was in Rome during the coronavirus pandemic and has been back and is going back after his ordination. Is that correct? Yes. So I think there's still a little uncertainty if he will be returning um, to Rome just because of everything going on with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I know at some point hoping hoping to finish his studies there. So, yes, he, he was studying at the North American College in Rome. Well, tell me a little bit about what went on at St. Thomas Aquinas uh, that led you in the direction that you've been in? Yes. So growing up at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, we were really blessed because when I was in sixth grade um, is when my youth minister, when our youth minister came in. So um, his name is Chris Bartlett, and um, he just, yeah, came in with a zeal for the faith and really helped transform the youth ministry program. So I was in middle school at the time, and my older brother was in high school. Um, and my older sister, she I think she got to have him for just her senior year of high school. But, yeah, I remember going on my first retreat when I was in seventh grade, and um, that's when I experienced adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for the first time. And I just remember being very powerfully moved by that experience and that encounter with Christ. And so, yeah, through, I was basically hooked um, and I wanted to learn more and grow in my faith. And so throughout my high school years, um, Chris did a great job of just creating an environment that was fun and, um, you know, taught us and formed us in how to pray and, um, you know, taught us more about the faith and and how to develop a relationship with God. So, yeah, I was really in those high school years that I think the seeds were planted for my faith to grow. And then again, um, just even pursuing this this path of youth ministry myself. Well, what you're telling me, I think, is that a, a good youth minister is basically someone who tills the soil and plants the seeds and lets God let God give the growth. Yes. Yes, it's very true. Yeah, and I think and I think that's the thing about youth ministry is you don't always get to see the fruit, you know. Um it is all about tilling the soil and planting the seeds and and yeah, and and trusting that that God will work in his own time. Um but it's about creating that environment where where God can work and creating those relationships where God can can really reach the young people. What was so special about Chris Bartlett that, that he got folks to be uh, enthusiastic about youth ministry? You know, I think, I think it started with his own zeal for the faith. 
Um, and I and I think any youth minister, that's where it has to start. You know, is that foundation of of your own relationship with God and. Um, you know, how much you invest yourself in the sacraments and in the church. But then, yeah, I think with Chris, um, he's just very gifted as a youth minister. Um, he's very goofy, and he he has a knack at just being able to, um, you know, make things really fun for, for the youth, but then also lead people to a deep encounter with Christ. So it's kind of just that double-edged sword of, you know, um, having so much fun and and just being filled with joy and laughter, but then at the same time being able to to really encounter Christ um, through retreat experiences. You know, I remember we went on a mission trip when I was in high school, um, a pilgrimage at one point. So, yeah, I think all of that, um, it was just a really dynamic youth program. Uh, My guest today is... Katie Smith, who's a youth and young adult minister at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. And if you would like to talk with Katie, please give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. Katie, how does, how does someone go about making uh, the faith fun? Because in today, today's young people are wanting to have fun most of the time. So you're you're saying that Chris Bartlett was able to make fun being a member of the Catholic faith. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, you're right. Young people have a lot of attractive options coming at them these days, you know, things that might be more attractive to them on the surface than the faith. And so I think that's the challenge with youth ministry is how can you meet young people where they're at um, and show them, you know, show them how attractive living a life with Christ can be. And I think showing them that, showing them that there is a true joy in it. Um, so, you know, little youth ministry tactics include, you know, playing games um, that get the youth up and moving. Um, That was something Chris did a lot of. That's something I try to incorporate a lot of. Doing funny skits, you know, um, where the youth minister or the adult volunteers can just show the youth that it's okay to laugh and be goofy um, when you're at a church function. So I think um, bringing in that fun aspect can also help to break down sometimes just walls that I think sometimes the youth can come in with. Um, you know, maybe they're, they don't want to be there or they don't want to be at this certain retreat. So if you allow them to see that it's a fun, welcoming atmosphere, it can help to break down some of those walls um, and maybe let their guard down that might be keeping out the faith or keeping out God. Well, there are a lot of opportunities to build those barriers in our current society. And, and so the youth minister, it sounds as though that the youth minister is one who is supposed to break down those barriers and show that the barriers are, are artificial and meant to uh, confine a person rather than to give them freedom. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, not only youth but anyone. There's a lot of things you can hide behind, you know, in today's culture, whether that be social media, um, you know, all of the entertainment we can consume. And so, yeah, there, 
there is a part of vulnerability when it comes to our our faith and our relationship with God and and really allowing God in. Um, and so I think part a big part of youth ministry we like to call relational ministry, where myself and the adult volunteers were really trying to build relationships and build mentorships and friendships with with the young people we work with. So there's this saying that um, if the youth don't know that you care, then they won't care to listen to you. Then, And so it's just that concept of really allowing the youth to know that, that you care about them as a person. And once they know that, they're usually way more willing to be open to what you might have to say or teach them about the faith. Now, I think when, when we were talking earlier uh, about this, you mentioned something that you also, uh, when you were in the high school youth ministry, gave retreats to junior high, and you were allowed to give testimonies and talks around. Is that, did that, was that yes. a part of that? Yes, yes, that's correct. So that was another great thing that Chris did with our youth program is he would allow us as high school youth um, to help serve on retreat teams or help with the confirmation program for the middle school youth. And so, yeah, I think that kind of gave all of us a sense of empowerment and um, just built our, our confidence that, yeah, that we can stand in front of this group of, of middle schoolers and, and give a talk um, about Christ or about the faith and give a testimony about how God has worked in our lives. So I think I know that did a lot in my own life just to build confidence in that area. Sounds to me as though uh, Chris Bartlett, in, in uh, doing these things with you, also helped you to form your idea of what your vocation was going to be. Yes, yes, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if you would have asked me in high school if I would have said, I'm going to be a youth minister. Um, but I think through the years, it is easy to look back and to see just how much of an impact that made on me and um, not only me, but I know a lot of my, a lot of my fellow classmates. So Jean, I know we talked about this, but um, I also have a fellow classmate who was in the youth ministry program with me who will also be ordained a priest with my brother. So um, Deacon Will Rooney. And yeah, I, I'm sure um, I know when I've talked to him, I know a lot of seeds were planted for him and his faith and his vocation to the priesthood, you know, through through those youth ministry years. And I, if I remember correctly, uh, Will Rooney also uh, was a uh, youth minister for the junior high at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas while he was here, a student here at Texas A&M. He was, yes. So Will Rooney and Thomas Finney, another classmate of ours. So the two of them, um, while they were in college, they helped to run the middle school program for a few years. Yeah. Now, you, unless somebody gets the idea that, that everything was wonderful and that, that you didn't really need youth ministry, uh, you didn't go to a, Catholic, to a Catholic school for high school or, or elementary school either, or junior high, right? Correct. Yep. So I was in public school, um, K through 12, all the way through. Okay. So what you you mentioned that you you were active in in uh, at Texas A uh, and M Consolidated High School here in College Station. Uh, what types of things were you involved in when you were here? 
so in high school, I was involved in student council, and um, I also played volleyball. So I was involved in sports. And, and we were, I was really grateful because, yeah, I, I had a solid group of friends who encouraged me in my faith, and, um, and several of them, you know, my Protestant friends, so non-Catholic friends. Um, I remember we used to have a Bible study in the volleyball locker room in the mornings. Um, and it was just Christians of different denominations coming together. So I was grateful because I think in high school, you know, I, although there were times where I faced opposition to my faith, overall, I think my closest group of friends, they were either from my youth group, so they were Catholic and, you know, I knew them through St. Thomas Aquinas, or I knew them through school and, and they were solid um, Christians. But you also had a lot of support at home, did you not? Oh, yes, for sure. So, yeah, I'm really thankful to my parents. Um, you know, growing up, they're always great about, you know, every Sunday we went to Mass, you know, non-negotiable. Even when we were traveling, we would pray together um, before meals as a family. My parents would teach my Sunday school classes, um, and that was when I was younger, so I still thought it was cool to have your parents <laughs> teach your Sunday school classes. But, yeah, I think all of those things, they really built, they instilled in me, you know, just the importance of the faith. And, and my parents really did, you know, set set that up in our family and, and just make our faith a priority. And they still continue to support you in, in, in those ways, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, so they're very supportive. Um, so of my brother's vocation to the priesthood. And then after college, I actually went to serve as a Catholic missionary with an organization called NET Ministries. So that stands for National Evangelization Teams. And yeah, they were very supportive. Um, although I know it was difficult, um, especially on my mom for us, for me to go so far away, um, it's based out of Minnesota, but yeah, even though I wasn't making, you know, a salary directly out of college because I was serving as a missionary, they, they've always been very supportive. Okay. This is Gene Wilhelm and you're listening to Red Sea Roundup. And my host or my guest today is Katie Smith, who is youth and adult minister at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. Uh, and she has a connection here with Bryan College Station. And if you would like to talk with Katie, if maybe you're a friend of hers or just have some general question or comment, give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. Let's talk a little bit about NET, and then we'll come back and talk about your time at Texas A&M, because since you brought NET up. Again, NET is, is the National Evangelization Team, and it ministers particularly to, to what type of individual? Yeah, so NET ministers to middle school and high school youth um, around the country. So the missionaries with NET are all young adults, so you have to be between the age of 18 and 28 years old to serve with NET ministries. So I waited until I was 22 and had graduated from A&M to serve with NET, but there were missionaries that came right out of high school. And you go through five weeks 
of training and spiritual formation. So that was really powerful um, because NET trains you in, you know, just really how to um, develop, like, a daily prayer life, how to pray with Scripture. Um, I learned a lot about the Holy Spirit when I was with NET um, and how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our daily life. So uh, the great thing about NET is just the form, the individual formation that you receive when you are a missionary. And then there's usually about 150 to 175 missionaries per year. So everyone gets split up and you get put on a team of anywhere from 8 to 13 people. And there's different types of teams. So my brother, he also served as a net missionary. He was on net for three years, was he not? Yes, he was. He was. So that's how I was introduced to net. Um, And he was on a traveling team. So he traveled around in a 15-passenger van with his team, and they moved from parish to parish around different regions of the country, and they put on retreats at Catholic churches, Catholic schools. And then I was on the other type of net team, which is called a discipleship team. And that was something fairly new when when you uh, went on that discipleship team, wasn't it? Weren't you one of the first ones that did that? Um, yes. So it is. it was newer. It had been around, I think, when I had done it. It had been around for about seven years. But the traveling teams, they had been around for about 30 years at this mm-hmm. point. So um, the discipleship teams, it is definitely a newer concept for NET. And those teams are assigned to one Catholic parish or one Catholic school for the entire nine months. And those missionaries immerse themselves in the community and just really minister to that community for the nine months. And so where were you uh, stationed, Katie? I was stationed um, in a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. So I was at St. Joseph's Cottleville in St. Charles, Missouri. Okay. And and so basically, how, how many people were on your team at that time? There were eight of us. So eight there were of four you. men and four women. So you had three roommates wherever you stayed. Did you were you in a uh, an apartment or did the parish provide something for you? Yeah, so that's definitely a unique part of net ministries is um, we actually rely on host families. So we were staying with host families from the parish. Um, so I would say, yeah, men would stay with men, the women would stay with the women. And we were switching families um, pretty much every two weeks. We would switch homes of where we were staying. And I remember going into NET and, you know, being unsure of how I would handle that, of of not having a stable home location for the nine months. But it actually ended up being one of the biggest blessings of my year because we got to you know, really get to know so many families so well. And and that's a big part of the ministry of NET is actually staying with the families because we try to pray with the families at night before bed. And um, it was just really beautiful seeing the generosity of the families and, and the ways that they would they would open their homes to us. 
uh, and I'm sure some of the families had youth that you were ministering to. Yes. So that was always a gift when we got to stay. We definitely got to stay with families who had middle school or high school youth. And so we got to know those youth so well. And um, I still keep up. You know, it's probably been about six years since I was there. And I still keep up with some of the families we stayed with. So you did that for one year, Katie, and then then what happened? Because you, you said you were in net for three years. Yeah, so I served on that team for one year and then decided to accept a position as a team supervisor. So I actually moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, where NET Ministries is headquartered. And I lived in um, community with the other young adults that were serving as team supervisors. So what is a team? So each, oh, excuse oh, sorry, me. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So each team, each NET team has a male and a female team supervisor, and they serve as the pastoral care leaders for the team for the year, kind of like an older brother, older sister that is not only doing admin work for the ministry, for the team, but we actually go and visit the teams wherever they are twice per semester to give them continued formation in the faith, also to moderate, you know, any conflicts that arise on the team, um, and then just to just really individually walk with each of the team members throughout the year. Now, does that mean that you were on a plane a lot, or did you have a van or car or something that you went to visit the team that you were on the road a lot yourself? Um, a lot of flying, yes. So I don't think I ever knew I would do that much flying in in two years, but um, it was a great experience, and I'm really thankful for the places in the country I got to go because of that. Um, so, yeah, we were flying um, sometimes two weekends a month. Having uh, spent a couple of winters in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, I'm sure that you were very glad to be back in Texas for the first winter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thankfully, when I was there, Minnesota had two very mild winters for Minnesotans. So for me, it was still, um, yeah, super cold and definitely out of my comfort zone. But I also really enjoyed, you know, I didn't grow up seeing snow or seeing really vibrant fall colors. So I think experiencing the four seasons up there was a blessing, but I am thankful to be back in Texas with the warmer winters now. And I bet you learned how to say you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or the oh, they, they love their oh, oh yes. you know. Now, did you ever get to eat lutefisk? Um, sorry, eat what? Lutefisk. If you, then you don't know what it is, and I won't bring it up because it's not a very pleasant topic to talk about. <laughs> uh, get, I, I never ate that. Okay, and again, my guest today is uh, Katie Smith. She's the youth and adult minister at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. And we've been talking about her experiences with NET now. Uh, so you got came off of NET and you came back home. But let's talk a little bit about what happened to you went to, when you went to Texas A&M and you were involved at Texas A&M and St. Mary's here at adjacent to Texas A&M. Yes. So I'm the youngest of three, and, um, 
yeah, I was able to see my, my two older siblings go to A&M and, and really got to see their experience at St. Mary's. And so although I did think about applying to other colleges just to um, have the experience of leaving my hometown for college, um, I knew that St. Mary's was something special and I wouldn't find a community quite like that if I went to another college. So I was a freshman um, at A&M and my older brother was a senior and that was a huge blessing because yeah he really helped I think in my transition to college and um, even just getting to know St. Mary's he introduced me to the sisters the apostles of the interior life Um, you know he told me to sign up for spiritual direction even though I'd never heard of that but it ended up being a huge blessing in my life so um we we were both involved in SMIRT, which stands for St. Mary's Youth Retreat Team. Tell us a little bit about what SMIRT is, because that, that that's an interesting name, but what does SMIRT do? It is an interesting name. So SMIRT is an organization of students at St. Mary's, and they help put on retreats, mostly confirmation retreats, for surrounding parishes, basically within a two-hour radius of College Station. So we would have usually about five retreats per semester that the organization was helping put on. Um, You know, as a busy college student, you didn't have to staff every retreat. I maybe staffed one or two a semester. But it was a blast. You know, we would hop in the St. Mary's van and take off, um, you know, maybe 10 to 12 college students, and we would put on a whole weekend retreat for high school youth. Um, So SMIRT is actually where I made, yeah, just some of my closest friends in college. Um, That's where I met the girls I ended up living with um, for the remainder of my college career um, and friendships that I still still hold closely today. And, And I also think SMIRT, you know, continued to plant seeds and just give me more experience in in my career of youth ministry or in my career of ministry. Sounds as though uh, even as early as your high school and then at with SMIRT that you were on a path to be a youth minister, even though you may didn't realize it at the time. Yes, that's true. Um it's funny because when I was at A&M, at first I thought I wanted to pursue physical therapy school, so I thought I would go more of the healthcare route. But um, I think when I when I really took it to prayer and and I and when I talked to close friends who knew me well, I think I just knew that my heart was most alive in the atmosphere of ministry, and um, and that was the path that that I I felt God was calling me to pursue. And you also um, made Awakening and were on an Awakening team or two, were you not? Yes. Yeah, so Awakening was definitely always a huge gift. Um, So I made Awakening my freshman year of college, and then I was able to staff the Awakening retreat throughout the rest of my four years. Um, And then my senior year at A&M, I served as a campus ministry intern at St. Mary's, And that was a really great experience just because that was my first experience of 
just seeing more of the inside of what does it look like to serve on staff at a parish or a Catholic student center. So that was a blessing. I got to really learn from the campus ministers on staff at the time. So that was a really great eye-opening experience. Did you have a particular area that you were interning in? So I was the only um, female female intern that year. So I was assigned to help with um, KTB, the Catholic Women's Sorority at St. Mary's. And although I was never involved with KTB, um, I really enjoyed it that year. So I got to help with some of their retreats and um, really enjoyed getting to know the girls in that ministry. So you graduated, and then you had a big decision to make, or probably your senior year, we were making this huge decision. What am I going to do with the rest of my life now that I'm growing up? Yes. Yeah, senior year of college, um, I do remember it was kind of an anxious time for me <laughs> um, because it is a big decision. Um, so I, I had applied for a master's in theology at UD, and then I also applied for Net Ministries, and yeah, after prayer and discernment and and talking to other people about my decision, I think I just realized that if I really wanted to do this missionary life, you know, now was kind of the time to do it, um, and that I could always pursue a graduate degree later, and so that's when I made the decision to go towards Net. You've talked several times about prayer and discernment. Uh, some people may understand what that really means, and others may not be very aware of what it means for prayer and discernment. Is there? Can you give us, uh, in about 100 words or less, what that really means? Yeah, so I think to keep prayer simple is just dialogue or conversation with God. Um, you know, there's many ways to pray, but... Um, for me, my favorite way to pray is just is sitting in, in adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And discernment can also be, yes, a big word that is easily complicated. And I know I've complicated a lot in my own life. But I think discernment, it's just, um, you know, really trying to make a decision in your life where you want to follow God's will. And did, um, did your spiritual director help you in making that those that decision? Yes. Yeah, so I was really thankful um, to have a spiritual director in college. Um, Sister Michaela was one of the apostles of the interior life, and she did teach me a lot because, yeah, I really didn't know, you know, how to make a decision um, and try to follow God's will and... Yeah, I think when it comes to making, <clears throat> when it comes to following God's will in your life, I think the most important thing is staying close to the sacraments and, you know, going to daily prayer. So talking with God daily or reading the scriptures. Um, and if you're doing those things, you know, and, and genuinely trying to follow God's will, I think it's hard to make a decision um, where it's going to be totally opposed to God's will if you're really trying, you know. And there's a prayer, a famous prayer that says, um, Lord, you know, that I hope that even having the desire to follow you pleases you. So, um, yeah, I think it's easy to overcomplicate discernment. 
but knowing that God works through our desires and he works through our circumstances and even the people he puts in our lives to help us make decisions. Again, I have as my guest today Katie Smith, who is youth and adult minister at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. If you'd like to speak with Katie, uh, give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-C, 855-683-7332. Katie, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do as a youth minister, and then you recently acquired the young adult ministry as well at St. Joseph Catholic Church there in Richardson. What the, what does that mean, and what supports is the parish giving you to make that job possible for you? <clears throat> yes. So um, I am in charge of 6th through 12th, um, 6th through 12th grade youth ministry, and then we didn't really have an active young adult ministry here, so we decided to start one a couple of years ago um, for college age and then also young working professionals. And um, I'm really grateful because I have a full-time associate youth director, so he's in charge of middle school and then I'm in charge of high school. So that makes the job much more manageable. And then we also have a administrative assistant who works with all of faith formation, but she helps us. She helps us out a lot with a lot of our administrative tasks, especially when it comes to the sacrament of confirmation. So, Jean, I know something you and I have talked about before. Is um, yeah, it really. Um, I was really hesitant when I first went into youth ministry because they say the average burnout rate of a parish youth minister is 18 months, and so I didn't want to be just another statistic. So I think, um, yeah, the parish, it really depends on the parish and often the pastor to make sure the youth minister is well supported, whether that be with other staff members that are on the team or, um, you know, even just really great families, great volunteers who are there to, to help make the youth ministry work. So often, like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I think it takes a whole parish to do youth ministry well, Um, that it's not just the youth minister's job to minister to, you know, hundreds of youth in the parish, but that it's the youth minister empowering other adults in the parish to also do the work of youth ministry. So you do it as a team effort. You have quite a few uh, youth in the youth ministry there at St. Joseph's, do you not? We do. So we... um, before Corona hit um, in our program, we had about um, 80 to 90 high school youth and then um, about 170 middle school youth. So you do need volunteers. What type of a person makes a good volunteer with the youth ministry? Yes. So um, we have a lot of young adults who volunteer with youth ministry, which I think, um, you know, the youth naturally sometimes look up to someone that is just a little older than them, but isn't their parents' age. Um, So sometimes young adults are, you know, they're natural to help out with youth ministry. But but I would also say that, you know, I've had really great youth ministry volunteers who are middle-aged or, you know, even older. Um, So I think sometimes people feel like maybe they're too old to help out with youth ministry. But I think if you're someone who has a heart that just wants to get to know 
youth and help them get to know the faith and get to know Christ, then I think you can make a great youth ministry volunteer. Katie, we have about a minute and a half left. Uh, what is the what is the one thing you would like people to take away from our conversation today in summary of what we've talked about? Yes, I would say, um, yeah, looking back at my life, um, you know, I'm grateful that, for the path that God has led me on. And so I would just encourage anyone listening um, just to maybe look back at how has God worked in your life and what path does he have you on? Um Maybe youth ministry isn't your calling, but I think that God has a mission for each of us, and He's given each of us gifts and each of us passions for for something. So you have a mission, um, and so I just encourage everyone to maybe think and pray about what is the work that God has entrusted to you. Very good, Katie, and I thank you so much for being our guest. Could you stick around for just a minute or so after the program is over so we can talk just a minute more? Of course. Thank okay. you for having me, Jean. Uh, thank you so much, Katie, for being my guest today. Again, this was Katie Smith, youth minister and adult young adult ministry at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Richardson, Texas. I thank you so much for being with us today, and I want you to remember that when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. Again.